Welcome to the Desert City Church podcast. What you're about to hear is a sermon given at one of our Sunday gatherings. We invite you to listen to how the story of Scripture is forming our new church. We are currently in a series entitled Desert City Originals, and we're talking about our vision, DNA, and dreams as a church. We're almost three years in, and we feel like we're just getting started. And our hope is that this message will help you become more like Jesus. As you pursue God, may you find your true self. If you have any questions or things we can pray for, let us know. Grace, peace, and much love. This message of hope was so compelling that within 300 years, this band of Christians grew from 1,000 to some would say somewhere in the range of 30 million throughout the world. First week, we talked about how Netflix exploded, right? The exponential growth of Netflix over the last 20 years. And I said, it's nothing compared to the story that we're a part of. The story of the church exploding and expanding because there was this message of hope where we envision a future, a future where God is putting the world back together. This is the message that we carry as a church, which is exciting because as a small church, it seems like a pretty large task. But early on I said, Desert City Originals means this, that we are a local expression of an eternal kingdom. We're in a local expression of an eternal kingdom. And there's other churches uh, in the city, there's other churches throughout the world that we're connected with. But what we're doing here, I believe, is significant for a few reasons. We talked about this last week. One, this community that we live in called Desert Ridge uh, that we're meeting in has close to 20,000 people. We're the only church that's in the community, on the ground, in neighborhoods. Now, there's many churches around Desert Ridge where people drive to, and those are all great. But right now, there's this opportunity where in the midst of these neighborhoods, we're the only ones here. We have great connections with other churches throughout the city. Um, but I think that there's something special that God has called us to. We have people who drive in from all over the city. But there's something very special and unique about this window that has been opened here in Desert Ridge. We're this local expression of a much bigger story. That's true for us individually and corporately. And as we consider our future here, uh, when we consider the vision of where we're going and what we're doing, uh, there's been many things that we're pursuing. We're three years in. But I feel like there's a, the spirit of how we do it, how we get to the next steps of a church, as a church is important. And there's four things I want to identify that I want to be all about as a community. And the things that I've identified, I don't, I don't know if these are like going to really fire you up, to be honest. They're not super exciting. But I think these are things that the church uh, has carried the church through history. And as the church has proclaimed this message of the hopeful future, these things are always evident when it's healthy. The first thing is prayer. I want to be a people of prayer. A new church must center its life on prayer. We open this passage with the Lord's Prayer. Jesus teaches us how to pray. Prayer is something that's extremely powerful. It's the most important thing we can do, and it's probably the thing that we take for granted the most. Like, really, that's your plan? We need to pray more? Yes, we, we need to pray. Prayer is essential. This new church requires a lot of prayer. This community requires a lot of prayer. 
In this prayer of Jesus, we find this hopeful future. And I think this should be our prayer, is that God's kingdom would come in Phoenix as it is in heaven. This culture of heaven invades Phoenix through us as a church community. Uh, we do prayer for, through a, a number of, of different ways as a church. One, uh, we have a prayer team that's led by Sarah Buckmaster. Uh, we, sometimes we promote it, sometimes we don't. Uh, but we would love for everyone to, to let the prayer team know how we can pray as a church. Uh, the prayer team meets the second Sunday of every month uh, here before church starts. The prayer team also meets on Thursdays at 11 a.m., every Thursday. And our desire is that as a church, we would stop and pray. We'd be reminded to pray at Thursdays at 11. Wherever you are, even if you're not a part of the prayer team, that you would carve out time in your schedule to say, I'm joining my church community in prayer, lifting up our community, lifting up uh, where we're heading, lifting up the brokenness, lifting up uh, our city, 11 a.m. every Thursday. One of the things that we're doing to help uh, uh, us become a praying community is this fall we're releasing a prayer journal uh, at the end of this month. The prayer journal I'm really excited about, uh, six of our, our churches that we're kind of in the same network with have come together to put this prayer journal together. The prayer journal is going to have a place for sermon notes on Sunday and then daily devotionals and then uh, small group questions if you want them. Uh, and, and I'd like all of us to have it. And we're asking that you pay five bucks, so that's kind of like a shameless plug. But uh, we would like our whole church to have a prayer journal. Uh, for me, as a follower of Jesus, early on in my life, I developed a great rhythm of writing prayers out in a journal. I remember even as a high school, uh, high school guy, as a football player, I would sit down and I'd write out my prayers. And it was absolutely formational and essential to my relationship with God. At some point, as an adult, having kids, uh, having a job, doing all sorts of busy, crazy, you know, living in the digital world, I kind of get, got out of this rhythm of praying, um, out of this rhythm of uh, writing out my prayers in a journal. And then last year, uh, Luke Shuline gave me a gift. It was a prayer journal. And it was a moleskin, which is interesting because I used to always write in moleskins. Not only is it a moleskin, it has the Phoenix Suns logo on it. So I was like, this is like the coolest prayer journal I've ever seen. <laughs> Over the last year, I've gotten back into the habit of writing out my prayers. And it's been amazing to see how I've experienced God over the last year. To write things out on paper. To lift up the requests of those around me. To lift up the requests of our church and our community. And then to look back and to read back and see where God has met me in that prayer request. To see where God has worked in the world. I want to be a people of prayer as a church. I don't know how else to do it. If we can't be centered our lives around prayer, how we commune with God. If that's something that's foreign to you, that's okay. Uh, I think prayer is something that's easy to do and also it takes a long time to learn. Um, but we invite you to pray. We invite you to carve time out of your schedule to commune with God. As we move forward as a church, I want to be a place of prayer. Second thing is I want to be a patient people. A patient people. These all start with the letter P because I'm a pastor and it's easier to remember that. But I want to be a people who are patient. That's not super exciting, I know. 
I think patience is something that's missing in our culture of instant gratification. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It's evidence that God is at work in our life. I think good things come to those who wait. I think followers of Jesus should be willing to be patient in life. God gives us this steadfast spirit to travel through life. Remember, patience is uh, a virtue I learned early on. When I was a, uh, a child, I remember my family I was on vacation. A lot of my family's up in Washington, in eastern Washington, where my grandma lived. And we were getting ready to, to, to uh, go on a trip for the summer, visit uh, grandparents down in Los Angeles. And I remember my parents came to me and said, um, we've got some resources to go uh, to a theme park this summer. And uh, so we have a couple options, but we can only do one of them. And the first one isn't as good as the second one, but it's sooner. And the first one is we can go to the local water park, uh, and uh, we could do that this weekend, um, and it's going to be fun. Or we can wait, and in about a month when we get down to Los Angeles, we can go to Disneyland. But you're going to have to wait a while for that. And I remember I was probably five or six years old thinking, wow, oh, Disneyland sounds fun, but boy, that sounds like forever. That's gonna, and I could go this weekend to the water park. And so I remember saying, well, let's go to the water park. And my parents were like, are you sure you want to do that? And I was like, yes, because it's this weekend. Disneyland sounds like it's forever away. And so we're like, okay. Are you sure you want to do that? I was like, yes, let's do the water park. And I remember going to the water park. And I remember thinking, I never, I didn't, you know, didn't really know what Disneyland was at this point in my life. But I remember going to the water park and thinking how much fun I was having. And I remember standing in line, and my dad was behind me. And I turned around and I said, see, Dad, aren't you glad we didn't go to Disneyland? <laughs> and I remember him looking at me and just nodding. And the people that were around him in line looking at me like I was crazy. And it was one of those first moments where like awareness kicks in. It's like, what did I just say? Like, I, I, I decided not to go to Disneyland and go to a, like a small town water park instead. And I thought that was great. And there was something so much better, the happiest place on earth, Disneyland, if I could have waited patiently. There's almost like something inside of us that's not willing to wait. We're an urgent people. We're an instant people. I think... I think all that's even heightened more so in the culture that we live in. Patience is a virtue uh, that we're, we seem to be missing. The church requires patience. God's people require patience. I want to be a people who say, uh, may God put a steadfast spirit in us so that whatever life throws at us, uh, we can patiently wait for God's will, for the right time, for the right opportunities, for the right things that God has. We need prayerful people, and I want to be a patient people as a church. There's a book that's been released called The Patient uh, Ferment. And it talks about this idea of how the church in the first couple centuries grew from 1,000 to 30 million. And there was this patient fermenting of communities where people would become this visible presence, this faithful presence in a community. They'd get to know the community. They'd build trust and relationships. They'd figure out where the things are broken that need to be fixed, where things were that we could serve. And this patient ferment allows the church uh, to have influence. I want Desert City to be a place of prayer and a place of patience. That doesn't mean we're going to be in a school forever. That's just... <laughs> uh, I, I want us to have 
an ability to say we're, doing to, we're willing to do whatever it takes uh, to stay a faithful presence here. The third thing is the permanence. Permanence. Um, by the way, before I move on to permanence, there's this quote by Tertullian that I wanted to read when it comes to patience. And this has to do with permanence as well. It says this, that patience faith, is the pilot of peace, assists charity, establishes humility, waits long for repentance, sets her seal on confession, rules the flesh, preserves the spirit, brittles the tongue, restrains the hand, tramples temptations underfoot, drives away scandals, consoles the poor, teaches the rich moderation, overstrains not the weak, exhausts not the strong, is the delight of the believer. Tertullian on patience. I want to be a patient community. Third thing is permanence. Permanence. This is a stick to itness of the church. I want to be a faithful presence in this community uh, long term. And if you know the story of Desert Ridge, if you've been around, Desert Ridge is maybe 15, 20 years old. It was developed when I was in high school, and uh, it was fun to watch. And I always had this desire to have this expression of the church here. And as I'd worked at other churches, I'd watch different plants come into this community. And something happened to Desert Ridge back in about 2007, 2008. It's the same thing that happened to most of us. The economy crashes. When you have a bunch of brand new homes that were built in a real estate bubble, and you have a bunch of people move into a community in that bubble, and all of a sudden the bubble pops, it's pretty interesting to see how lives are just wrecked, destroyed, dreams are crushed. And that was true here in Desert Ridge. It was true here in Phoenix. We got hit hard um, as a city. But the other thing that happens, there's a number of churches that came here, seven that I know of that tried to start here, and were victims to the economy. And so what happens is Desert Ridge, and really kind of all of North Phoenix, is a very transient community. I mean, one is that not many people are from here. I think that's great. Um, But a lot of people, it's hard to stay here. And so to build community in Phoenix is extremely challenging. And you might know that if you're from somewhere like the Midwest uh, or somewhere like back east where communities have been developed over generation after generation. Phoenix would be a hard place to find authentic community. And I think what the church has the ability to do in a transient culture is to establish permanence, a faithful presence where people can come and know you have a home here, you have family here. This is a community that will love you and embrace you. This is a community that will take you in. And I think that this is something that we need here in these neighborhoods. I think it's something that the church has to be good at in a city like North Phoenix to say, we want to be a place where you can find family. We want to be welcoming the stranger of those from the outside. And to do that, we need to establish a faithful presence over time through prayer, through patience, through permanence. Those are things I think will make Desert City special, unique, healthy, growing, significant. And then the last thing. The last thing is perseverance. Perseverance. Perseverance in the midst of challenging circumstances. 
When we have a vision of our future, of what God is doing in this world, it affects how we travel through life. I think it allows us to be a people of perseverance. People who can overcome, who can look at obstacles, turn them into opportunities. And I think Desert City needs to be a place that perseveres. Uh, many churches, especially early on, the first couple of years, it's tough to make it. There's a statistic, much like small businesses that are start, startups, it's hard to persevere. It's hard to make it through. And at the same time, we have the spirit of the living God inside of us, who empowers us, who gives us strength to persevere. This has to be a place of perseverance. Because our mission is more important than the things that will cause us to suffer. I want to have a church that is, uh, has a great inner strength because it's overcome challenging circumstances. James chapter 1 talks about perseverance, talks about trials. It says that we should consider trials pure joy because it develops perseverance in us. God's people have to be willing to persevere individually, corporately, a steadfast spirit that says, I'm going to overcome whatever obstacles I face because there's this God who has my future figured out. My desire is to see Desert City be a place that perseveres, to be a place of prayer, patience, permanence, and perseverance. The other thing is, as we have kind of approached the Desert Ridge area, and we're all Phoenicians, I live in Phoenix now, new community. Uh, I love the idea of the parish, the parish model of a church. If you grew up Catholic, you might understand the language of parish. Um, but as I look at North Phoenix, I say, this is our parish. What a parish is, it's a geographic area of spiritual responsibility. A geographic area of spiritual responsibility. And I think like what happens here on a Sunday morning is important. This is our church. But the, the community that we live in is our parish, which means all of us have responsibility to the spiritual climate of our city. And as Ryan said earlier, what's happening in here is preparing us for what happens outside these doors. When we consider North Phoenix our parish, all of us become missionaries. All of us become called to join God in this work of bringing heaven to earth. And I want to always consider that. What happens in Desert City is important. We're establishing a new church. But more than that, we're disciples of Jesus who are on mission in this city. Amazing, thing happens, amazing things happen within the walls of this church. And amazing things happen when we leave the walls and go out to our communities. I want this to be a place where we see North Phoenix as our parish. All of them start with P, I know. Prayer, patience, permanence, perseverance, and parish. But I think these are essential when it considers, when we consider our future as a church, where we're going. This is the spirit that we do it in. The Christian hope is that we imagine a future. We imagine a future where heaven comes down to earth. And this is a story that we're a part of. Uh, as we get ready to close today, we close with communion each week. Communion is uh, something that's sacred to our story. 
Communion represents this thing that we proclaim, that God has done this great work in this world, that our future now is hopeful. And as we move to communion, we do this in remembrance of what God has done on the cross, and we do it as a proclamation as a church to say, may God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we approach communion in different ways each week. But one thing I wanted to do today as we consider our future is I thought we could read together the Lord's Prayer as a place of prayer. We start with the Lord's Prayer and the desire for the future. And then after we read the Lord's Prayer, we would move uh, to a time of communion. If you're comfortable and ready to take communion, feel free to do so. And let's spend some time reflecting on the words, may God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So if we could go to, back to Matthew chapter 6, if you'd rise to your feet, I'd love to read this together. This is the Lord's Prayer. These are the words of Jesus. Read with me. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, thank you so much for this hopeful prayer, this reminder of the story that we're a part of, to be a follower of you. Lord, it has great implications individually for our own soul as you put us back together. But more than that, Lord, there's this huge rescue plan that's been put in place where you look at our broken world and you say, I'm going to do something about it. Lord, we want to be the people we're full of the culture of heaven and everything that we do. That we're, our citizenship is in heaven. We know that is our home. So we travel through this life, Lord. We travel through this life with the perspective. The perspective that you're sovereign, that you're bringing it all back together. This is the story that we're invited to, Lord. This is the story that we are a part of. We ask that you would empower your people today with this reminder that this would be a place of prayer, that we'd be a patient people. Lord, that there would be permanence here in what we're doing, that what we create will outlast even our own lives, that we would persevere. We love you, Lord, and your sons and we pray.